Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hi, this is Rabbi Morty Schwartz. Welcome again to Daily Daf Differently. Um, today we're looking at uh, Nazir Daf 15. I recognize that this is a little bit of a catch-up episode uh, because of the Labor Day weekend, so I'm going to try and make this episode and the next one, which are both catch-up episodes, a little bit shorter. So today we're looking at Nazir Daf 15, and what I'm going to do today is I'm going to take you through uh, three sources, which are juxtaposed. The first is obviously our Mishnah, which is um, the beginning of our new sugya on Daf 15. Uh, This is Mishnah Nazir 2.10. Then what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, present you a Breita, which actually does appear on the page uh, of uh, Daf 15. Um, and, ju- and it's juxtaposed with the Mishnah. There's an attempt to understand why there seem to be two different conceptual systems at play. And uh, that Brita is based on a Mishnah in Moed Katan. I'm going to bring that original Mishnah also. And I'm going to talk about these three things in juxtaposition and what's going on in terms of the conceptual differences. The question at stake is this. When I have two different periods of time, two different obligations that are uh, overlapping in the same period of time, does one nullify the other? Does one cancel the other one out? And how much time do I need to cancel the other one out? So what we're going to talk about here is two periods of nizirut, one which a person makes a vow to be a nazir, and then a second one in which a person makes a vow to be a nazir whenever their child is born. And when those two things pop up at the same time or crop up at the same time, the question is going to be, does one cancel the other one out or do they continue? That's as similar to the case that we had in the Mishnah previously, but now we're going to be playing around with this 30-day period that I alluded to in, in the last recording. Um, and then in addition, we're going to be talking about Shiva, the seven days of mourning, and then juxtaposing that with the seven days of a festival. When you have seven days of mourning and a festival, one of the Shalosh Regalim, the three pilgrimage festivals intervenes, does that nullify out the remainder of the Shiva? So those are the those are the questions. So let's go ahead and take a look at the Mishnah. The Mishnah, the first Mishnah, the Mishnah from Nazir. Harini Nazir li Ben. I will be a Nazir, he says, when I have a child. Nazir and I'll also be a Nazir for a hundred days. Nolad lo Ben Ad Shivim. If he has a child, uh, you know, before seventy of those days of his vow about being a Nazir for a hundred days has passed. Then he hasn't lost anything at all, right? He can go ahead and he can uh, be a Nazir for his child. And then his first Nizirut still counts. Um, and we're going to hear why in a second. And af, but, but if it hits, if the child is born after 70 days, then he loses uh, everything 
uh, after the Shiv'im, She'ein Teglacha Pachot Mishloshim Yom, because you can't have a uh, ceremony done for a, uh, for a Nazir, uh, a completion ceremony done for less than 30 days. So in other words, the way to think about this is, is that he made a vow for 100 days. He got up to 70, but he hasn't quite fulfilled the full 70. The child is born. He's got 30 days left to complete. So he stops his own Nizirut. He does the Nizirut, the one-month Nizirut for the child. And then he picks up again at the end, and he does a completion, a full completion ceremony for the 30 days, with the 30 days at the end. It looks like a full 30 days of Nizirut. He does two completion ceremonies, 30 days and then 30 days, and he's fine. However, if he's done the 70 days, and, and over the 70 days, let's say he's done 72 days, 71 days, uh, and in fact, what happens now is, it looks like when he does his completion ceremony after doing the, the Nizirut for his child, that he's done less than a 30-day period of Nizirut when he actually comes into the temple to do his completion ceremony. So what instead, it seems like the Mishnah is suggesting, is either A, he's going to go ahead and have those 70 days and do a completion ceremony, and then those last 30 days are canceled. Or alternatively, all 70 of those days are now nullified, and he has to start his Nizirut vow all over again for 100 days. And that's the explanation that's traditionally accepted, that if we say that uh, he's done more than 70 days and then the child is born, he has to nullify all of those days, none of them count, and in fact what he has to do is a whole nother 100 days of Nizirut, a whole hundred days of fulfilling this vow of being a Nazir. So this idea of nullifying days can mean one of two things, obviously. It can mean that's it, you're done, you don't have to do any more, and your vow is shortened. That's not the traditional explanation, but it is a possible reading of the Mishnah. And the traditional explanation is that, in fact, he's lost those days, all of those days, because he didn't have an appropriate time at the end to restart his Nizirut to get him out to 30 days. Uh, and so therefore he's lost all 70 or 72, 71, 75, whatever the number is of those days that he was in Nazir before. He was just doing those, um, you know, uh, under, um, I guess you would say that he's lost them. They, they no longer count is the way that we would say that in English. Okay, so fine. So now the Gemara juxtaposes this with a Brita which is uh, with, with a topic that's, that, that's related. In other words, this is the question of how mourning practices work when we are in fact dealing with um, uh, the coming of festivals. So let's go, go ahead and listen to that Mishnah. Hakover et meito shloshiyamim kodim l'regel. Someone who buries their uh, relative that they're going to mourn for uh, three days before a festival day. Batla mimenu gzerat shiva. That person has the uh, the period of time of shiva nullified. In other words, they just don't sit shiva at all. Is as is the idea, right? In other words, after those first three days of sitting shiva, the shiva is concluded according to the brayta. Shmoni yamim kodem l'regel, but la mimenu gzeirat shloshim. If it if this if this same thing happened eight days before the festival, right? then uh, the gzeira of shloshim is nullified. The uh, requirement to mourn for the, the lesser mourning period of 30 days is eliminated. In other words, they had 
one day of Shloshim, that was enough. They don't, they simply don't do the rest of Shloshim. Just as we saw before with Shiva, they simply don't do it. They had the one day, just like before, they had the three days of Shiva, and then it was nullified. So to here, they do the, the, the one day of Shloshim, and then it's nullified. And it's permitted then to count one of these days of Shloshim on the eve of the festival. And if he didn't count, meaning he didn't keep one of these days of mourning of Shloshim on the eve of the of the of the festival, then he, he is prohibited from counting those days in after the festival is concluded. And again, there are two ways of understanding this. One is, that's it, he's done. There's simply no Shloshim altogether. The other way of understanding it is, well, he starts counting Shloshim after the festival is over. And in order to sort of really understand what's going on here, I think we have to look at Moed Katan 3.5, which actually discusses uh, this this very issue. So it starts out the same as the Brita. Hakover et meto shloshiamim kodam l'regel. Someone who buries their relative that they mourn for three days before the festival. Batlami menu gzeirat shiva. He the uh, requirement to sit shiva has been nullified. Now I, I want to say here the assumption seems to be that somehow those first three days are more significant than the latter four in this Mishnah. And it seems that the Mishnah is somehow saying if it comes within those three days, there's still a requirement, some kind of quasi-biblical requirement to set for those three days uh, before the, the, even if the festival intervenes. That's actually not our halacha. Our halacha is actually different. Any time that the festival intervenes in Shiva, that's it, Shiva is finished. So if you even sit for one hour of Shiva, uh, before the the festival comes, then the festival uh, will knock out the Shiva. Now, a lot of people have commented and asked, well, why why exactly is that? And it seems to me that what we were ta- we're talking about here is an instance in which, uh, or a time period is a better way of saying that, in which mourning is really, really communal. And to make an entire community uh, you know, sort of take care of the needs of a mourner during a festival would change the tone and tenor of the festival. Now, I recognize that our communities today, that's not necessarily the case. Not everyone comes out for a funeral in a, a large congregation in the way that they would have in a small town. However, it still does maintain this notion of values. What comes first, joy or mourning, the joy of the community or the mourning of the individual, and it's the joy of the community that comes out on top. Okay. In any case, uh, continuing on with this Mishnah, Shmona Yamim, so this is exactly the same as the Brita, if, if the burial occurred eight days before the festival, but La Mimenu Gzeirat Shloshim, then the, uh, the requirement to mourn for the additional 30-day period is nullified. Mipnei Amru, since they said, HaShabbat Ola, that Shabbat counts in this complex of mourning rituals, and doesn't stop the morning, and the festivals stop the shiva, right? They end mourning, and they don't count in the progression. So the question here is this. Do these things really work together? Are they really conceptually linked? 
And what the Gemara resorts to is what I would call this Raita de Rabbanan distinction. They consider uh, the, the vows of Nizirut and how they're played out, this idea of 30-day vows as being a biblical requirement. It can't be less than 30 days, according to the Bible. We've talked about that already, or, or, or the previous uh, presenter talked about that. And uh, now... Uh, with regard to mourning, can you really juxtapose it to draw some conclusions? The answer seems to be no, because the Gemara seems to conceptualize mourning as being rabbinic. So the question for us when we actually sort of imagine, there's a lot of stuff going on here in terms of, of relevance. There is the issue of mourning, how we think about festivals when they intercede into mourning, those two different periods of time, how do you fulfill your obligation? And then in addition, when it comes to promises, when you make two promises to two different groups or individuals about how, where you're going to be for a particular place at a particular time, and the two things then intervene in an unexpected way, how do you negotiate the boundaries of that? So those are things to think about as we move ahead. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.